Well, hello from Los Angeles. This is Michael Benner, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School for today, Sunday, November 11, 11-11-2012. Isn't it interesting? I was thinking just earlier today and a little yesterday that for the last several years, there's been all of this hubbub around the coming of the... Uh, what is it, twelve twenty-one of 2010 and the end of the Mayan calendar. And people have been talking about it for years. And now we're like just four or five weeks away and you don't hear a word about <laughs> Nobody's mentioned it at all. I'm not concerned about the Mayan calendar ending. And, uh, and yet I am uh, very happy about the trends I see. In Tuesday's election, I hope you share that feeling with me, particular candidates that you endorsed or liked may or may not have won, but I'm speaking more of the larger trend, which is for a more progressive, more socially, economically, and even politically just system. People seem to be interested in what's fair and what's right and what's good for all of us as opposed to just their own self-interest. And that was a big part of this election and a big trend in America, rejecting the politics of self-interest for, hey, we're all in this together, so let's help each other out. And still, you know, this dynamic tension between social justice and personal freedom both things are true. You need both poles of the of the magnet, right? So I think part of the leftist perspective or progressive agenda is honoring conservative principles. But uh, some people just went off the deep end in the last four years. And a lot of extremism and a lot of reactionary name-calling and such. And yet people have really rejected that whole... I'm in it for myself, you're on your own for uh, let's work this out and let's honor the values of the left and the right as we work together to build a better nation, state, and world. I was very enthused, obviously, very excited, even relieved by uh, many of the election results. I hope you share some of that. Again, I tend to see it from not a political point of view, but a cultural uh, point of view, a matter of conscience and consciousness. So don't confuse me with somebody who's motivated by politics. I I don't really think there are political solutions, but uh, we, we need to have politics. We could take money out of politics easily, but um, the people who are getting the money aren't going to be very interested in that. So it's a real challenge. When you have a government based on bribery and an economy based on gambling, you're you're going to face some challenges along the way. Well, our topic for the day today is the magnetic nature of consciousness. And it's sort of a long title. Big words like consciousness esoteric concepts like magnetism and how could thought and awareness be 
magnetic. That's what we'll talk about today here in the free forum for a few minutes. We'll do a little meditation exercise as we usually do in just a few minutes. And then hopefully most of you will join us for the premium training where we'll really dig in and explore this whole concept in depth. But even if you're not able to do that, I want to give you an overview and some valuable content here in the free forum. First of all, we need to distinguish a difference between thought and awareness. If consciousness and awareness is the same word, and I'm okay, there are some subtle differences, but it really depends on who you ask. Subtle differences between awareness and consciousness. So I'm going to say for our purposes, those are the same words. Awareness and consciousness. But thought is different. What prompted this class today was someone posted on our social net the question, is thought consciousness or a byproduct of it? And I thought, wow, what a great question. Maybe we'll do the mystery school one of these days on that topic. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, why not today? So first of all, uh, thought is not consciousness. There are very different things. Intelligence, for example, and consciousness are very different things. Many years ago, somebody asked me this question on the radio, and they said, well, give us an example of the difference. And without even thinking, it it just popped into my head, and I still use it all these years later because was a pretty good answer, I thought, uh, as an example of the difference or the distinction between intelligence and consciousness or conscious awareness. I said, you have to be intelligent to design and build a nuclear weapon. That's no small task. That's a big deal, to design and build an atomic bomb. But a conscious person would never participate in such a project because these are the ultimate weapons of mass destruction, because you're declaring war now on non-combatants, which is illegal and moral and ethical and just plain wrong. You're killing hundreds of thousands or millions of people at a time. Most of them are not soldiers. And we call that terrorism today. So you cannot use a nuclear weapon without being a terrorist, a weapon of mass destruction targeted not at soldiers or military, but at the general population. Secondly, in a world of mutually assured destruction, which we've been living in for more than 50 years, Any use of nuclear weapons is likely to trigger a conflagration in which everyone loses. There can be no winners in a nuclear exchange. Everybody dies. If 5% of the nukes in this world are used, it triggers a nuclear winter phenomena in which hundreds of millions, billions of people would die of starvation. So it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So do you have to be intelligent 
To build a nuclear weapon? Yes. But a conscious person would never do it. Now, that's just an example. So it's possible to be intelligent, even emotionally intelligent, as well as mentally intelligent, and still be unaware. You could be applying your intelligence to your regrets about the past. You could be applying your intelligence to attempting to understand your fears about the future. But that's not awareness, unless you're doing it from the present moment. If you're aware of the present moment without judgment, you're conscious. This is often called mindfulness or detachment. To understand that you're not driven by your thoughts, you're aware of your thoughts. Now, that's the first point I want to make. The second point is that most of us just assume that we are generating our thought stream. But that's not true. There are many layers and levels of thought, and if I describe those, I think you'll have a pretty good idea what I'm talking about and and why it could not be that we're generating or producing thoughts. Thoughts don't come from us. They pass through us. Now, you got to think about that for a minute. Like love. Love does not come from us. Love comes through us from somewhere else. Now, that's arguable, I suppose, as is the idea that thoughts do not come from us, but come through us, and we attract them with the magnetic nature of our consciousness. That thoughts are things, they are forms, thought forms that we attract, and often have very little to do with, except that the magnetic nature of our consciousness is attracting this particular way of thinking. So somebody that's very hostile, very negative, very violent, um, confrontative, antagonistic, just negative and nasty, they're going to have corresponding thoughts because that level of consciousness will magnetically polarize and attract like thinking. All right? Physical polarity in the physical world, you know, iron filings and magnets and electricity, and the, the laws are reversed because the physical world is a reflection of the energy world. So in physical dense, opposite magnetism, opposite poles attract and like repels. But in the energy or spirit world, it's what you would tend to expect, which is like attracts like. This is karma in Eastern philosophy. It's cause and effect, or you reap what you sow in Western philosophy. It's also the golden rule. It's why you should treat people the way you'd like to be treated, because what goes around comes around. That's that's just the way life works, all right? If you plant radishes, you're, you're not going to get watermelons or apples or carrots. You're going to get radishes. That's just the way. <laughs> if you 
put out a, a negative uh, energy, consciousness or awareness, if you're just separative and, as they say, confrontative and antagonistic, you're going to magnetize thoughts and, for that matter, feelings that correspond to that consciousness or that mindset, if you will. And so, because like attracts like in the spiritual, as you learn to become more positive, more cooperative, uh, you embrace harmony and concepts of unity. And as I was saying earlier, we're all in this together. That level of higher consciousness or expanded consciousness that sees the bigger picture and respects the one life and the wholeness, the integrity, if you will, of the universe, will magnetize and therefore attract thoughts to help you understand more deeply your positive mindset or life-affirming consciousness, if you will. So, that's essentially what we mean by the magnetic nature of consciousness. It's a, I'll say theory, because it's only provable through your personal experience. The theory that you do not generate thoughts with your brain, you attract them magnetically by the nature of your consciousness, and that these thoughts are memes. M E M E is a meme a belief system that exists independently in terms of metaphysics on its own plane. The mental plane is a plane that contains thought forms. The emotional or astral plane is a plane that contains emotional feelings. And the physical etheric plane is the one we're most familiar with that contains separated forms as well. Objects, this coffee cup, this microphone I'm speaking into, this computer that's on my desk, the desk itself, the house that I'm in, these are all objects. We live in a world of separated form. So I'm arguing that thoughts are separated things that exist before you think them as a meme or a belief system, and your consciousness attracts them. Now, again, I, I have to be quick because we just have a few minutes here, and there's so much that we're going to cover at 1.30 today Pacific, 4.30 Eastern in the premium training. And I hope you're enrolled for that. If you're not, you can jump over real quickly to theagelesswisdom.com and click on webinars and then premium training and enroll with your bank card. It's tuition-based, but it's just a few bucks. And you can sign up for a single class or, for a nice discount, a 13-week quarter. Or if you've listened for a while and know that you're going to benefit from these classes, enroll for a full year and you'll get the deepest discount. But in any event, the thank you page will give you immediately the URL link and the passwords that you need to join us at 1.30 today. That'll also be confirmed by an email that's generated immediately. And then if you subscribe or enroll for 
more than a week, you'll get an email each Saturday night or Sunday morning just before the class with the URL link and the passwords you need for that day's premium training. Always at one thirty Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Hope you can join us today. Now, what is some of the evidence that exists for this idea that thoughts are free-floating and independent and pre-existent on their own plane, attracted by consciousness rather than generated by the brain? Well, the fact that there is this thought stream, sometimes it's called a stream of consciousness, but it's really a mental drift or a theme of a stream of thoughts. It's a Freudian slip there, a theme or a stream of thoughts that distract us from our applied, deliberate, and purposeful thinking. Reading is a great example. You're reading along and all of a sudden you're distracted by another stream of thoughts that, like a detour, you may begin to follow, even though your eyes continue habitually to move down the page. You may even turn the page and go to the next page and the page after that before you realize, wait a minute, lights are on, but nobody's home. I'm not paying attention to what I'm reading. I'm thinking about these things I need to get done. Did I get the oil changed in the car? Did I buy those groceries? Uh, oh, I just remembered I, I failed to go by the hardware store and pick up those parts for the... And now you're not reading. So you had applied your thinking. If thoughts were generated by your brain, you intended to read. Where did these thoughts come from that have distracted you? And so you let them go and turn your deliberate attention back to reading for a little while, and then you're distracted again. Or any other endeavor, uh, you put down a map that you're studying, or you stop working on your taxes, and or balancing your checkbook, and you decide you're going to look out the window for a few minutes and just relax. But your mind continues upon these thoughts that you are not thinking. They are distractions. And they do not guide you in life or through life. They distract you from the reality that's right in front of you. So you can go out to dinner, spend $100 on a meal in a really nice restaurant with a boss or a, a girlfriend that you want to impress, and because you're anxious and nervous, you pay no attention to the meal. Or you go on vacation, but you're trying to cram so much in, and you're in such a hurry, and you're running here and there, and there's no time to relax, and you get home, and you don't remember any of it, and you, you, don't, you don't feel like you had much of a vacation. Because most people don't know, and few people are willing to teach you to turn off your mind. I shouldn't say it that way. There certainly are enough people willing to teach mindfulness and stress reduction. I guess the bigger problem, most directly, is a lot of people don't want to know about it. They don't want responsibility for learning to manage these thoughts that invade our awareness and distract us from reality. Accepting that 
is frightening for a lot of people. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Further, there are these other layers and levels of thinking that we're going to talk about. Again, there's applied thinking. There's the distraction of the mental drift. We'll talk about involuntary worry. Where does that come from? As if there's another personality standing over here to the side reminding you that you better be afraid. And several different levels and layers of thought including this mental drift that's distracting us. Even the phrase, on second thought. You say, wait a minute, I just realized something just popped into my mind. Well, where did that come from? Here you're right in the middle of thinking and speaking out loud, and all of a sudden, boing, 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 this other idea. You didn't do that. Where did it come from? The magnetic nature of consciousness. Consider it a theory. But when you apply it in your life, some remarkable things begin to happen. I'll let you close your eyes for just a second. Take a nice, slow, deep breath, and as you exhale, ah, just create and sense a feeling of relaxation. You could imagine yourself in a beautiful place of perfect peace, sitting in a grassy spot, beneath the shade tree. And you take another nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling through the nose. Hold as you peek for just a moment, and then as you exhale, just as slowly, completely all the way out. Again, feel a letting go in your body, releasing muscular tension. And put your attention gently on the bottom of your nose and watch your body breathe itself. This is a classic or classical technique, thousands of years old. Simply watch the breath with interest and even a bit of fascination that your body can breathe itself all by itself, freeing you to watch. On purpose, in the moment, without judging, analyzing, or thinking about anything. When you find yourself distracted, simply let it go and place your attention gently on the ebb and flow of your breathing. On purpose, in the present moment, free from judgment. And then you practice doing this for three minutes, and then five or ten minutes, and if you wish, 15 or 20 minutes, and then let's come back to wide awake now with a nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling, hold as you peak, big breath, and now as you exhale, ah, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, rested. 
feeling better than before, back in the room, wide awake and alert. Okay? So, again, hope you can join us in now just a couple of minutes. 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, 21.30 Greenwich for the premium training of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School as we talk in-depth now about the magnetic nature of consciousness. Thanks a lot for being here. Uh, appreciate it. Whether you're live or listening by podcast, I'm going to check your questions and comments. You can still add those if you'd like. We'll take a look at them. You can email me at my initials, MB, Michael Benner, MB, at theagelesswisdom.com. Have a wonderful Sunday and a great week. We'll talk to you next week. And be gentle, love life, and care for each other. This is Michael Benner. So long.